when we had Integrate Service, we talked about the message of the cross. And, and we listened to God speaking to us through what he was telling us concerning our sin and how he gave Jesus to die for us. And since then, we have been listening to Pastor Young, who's been preaching to us, about knowing the truth, and a lot of that has been to do with the cross of Jesus. And as Linroy said today, we're going to talk about these, these three English words. It is finished. Now, those are words that Jesus actually shouted. He cried with a loud voice, the Bible says, just before he died, when he was hanging on that cross at Calvary. It says that he cried with a loud voice, it is finished. And those three simple words are really, really important for us. And I hope that when you get home today and you think about what God has been speaking to us, not just today, but throughout this week, that you'll begin to realize how incredibly important it was that Jesus was able to speak those words. It's a very simple phrase. And, and in case you're not sure what it means, I'm going to help you. It simply means this. Are you ready? Can you guess what I'm going to say? It is... Yes. I like simple messages. Or it is done. It's complete is another way of translating that word. Let me read you these verses. They're on your notes. Uh, John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, Jesus was hanging on the cross. I'll read you this verse in a moment. And he said he was thirsty. So they were really generous and kind. They gave him some sour wine to drink says, when he had tasted the sour wine, he said, it is finished. It is done. It is complete. And then he bowed his head and he died. What Jesus was saying was this. Everything that the father had given him to do, he had done. It was finished. That verse I talked to you about just now. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now accomplished. That's that's making the word finished more difficult. But it means the same. It's the same word. He knew, Jesus knew that everything that his father had sent him to do, he had done it. It was finished. He was able to look back on his life and to realize that there was nothing that his father had given him to do that was left undone. Now, if you've got in front of you a pizza, how many of you like pizzas? Oh, my. Oh, my. 
hands and feet were up in the air then. If you have in front of you a whole pizza, is your mouth beginning to dribble? What's your favorite flavor? Hawaiian, pepperoni, combination, kimchi. You, you have a whole pizza in front of you. Have you finished eating it yet? No. Imagine there's, in your dreams, imagine there's half a pizza in front of you. Have you finished and completely finished eating it yet? No. It's not a trick question. Imagine you've, you've eaten all of it except one piece. Have you finished it completely yet? No. Now in front of you is a completely empty box. Have you completely finished eating that pizza? Because there's nothing left. And now you're thinking, where's the next one? Or where's my dessert? Yeah? The principle is very simple. Until there is nothing left to do, you can't say it's finished. Some of you are doing studies. Some of you are doing degrees. Some of you are doing uh, PhDs. And until you've finished those studies and passed those exams, you can't say, I finished. It's done. It's complete. You wish it was, but it's not. And so for Jesus to be able to say, It is finished. Very simply, it means this. Everything that the Father gave him to do was now completely done. There was nothing half done. There was nothing 75% done. There was nothing 99% done. Everything was finished. And Jesus was able to make this declaration as he shouted out just before he's died, I've done it. It is complete. It is finished. Everything that the Father had given him to do. How would you like to get to the end of your life and your You're just about to take your last breath and step into heaven. How would you like to be able to say, it is finished. Everything that the Father has given me to do, I've done. Let me see your hands if you would like to do that. I've got news for you. You can. You simply have to trust and obey. Today, we're going to look at just five things that God the Father gave to Jesus, his son, to do. And all five of them, Jesus said, it is finished. Number one, the Bible tells us that Jesus came to deal or to get rid of the root of our sin. You know, sometimes we... We think about the things that we do, things that are not good, things that hurt people, things that we say that are not right, things even that we think 
And, and we may think, where did that come from? I did not intend to do that. I did not mean to say that. I wish I could stop. And we often say this in the nation's church, that it isn't the things that we do that are wrong that make us a sinner. It's the other way around. We do those things because there's something wrong on the inside of us. There's a root cause that makes us sinners. And that's what Jesus came to deal with. The very root reason why we sin. Let me read you these words. We know that our old sinful selves or our old sinful hearts was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives and we are no longer slaves to sin. That's Romans chapter 6, verse 7. Verse 6. So, the first thing that we want to look at today that the Father gave His Son to do was to destroy the root cause of sin. Now, some people say, I know what the root cause of sin is. It's the devil. It's the devil that makes us sin. Well, we're going to learn in a little while He would love to have that power. He would love just to come and tell you what you must do, but he doesn't have that power. The reason before we become a Christian that we sin is because we have a sinful heart. And that is what Jesus came to deal with. And the Bible says that when he died on that cross, our sinful heart was crucified with him. Now listen, I want you to listen to this. This is really important. When Jesus died on that cross, it wasn't just for good people. It wasn't just the sinful natures of good people that was on that cross with Jesus as well. It was everyone. Because Jesus said, it is finished. It is complete. It is done. In other words, Jesus was able to say that with him was being crucified on that cross the sinful nature of every single person, including you and me. And so when Jesus said, it's finished, he was talking about you and I. He was saying, I've taken your old sinful nature and it's been crucified with me. It is finished. Praise God. You know, the devil likes to put excuses in our mind. We're going to learn some of his, his strategies today. He, loved to, he loves to put excuses into our minds. And sometimes he will try to convince us that we, are, we were exempt. When Jesus died, it wasn't for us. It was for everybody else. It was just for good people. It was just for certain nationalities. My friends, Jesus said, it is finished. I have completed it. I have taken away the sinful nature of every single person. Second thing that God gave his son to do was to make it possible for our sins to be forgiven. 
This is what the book of Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 say. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. Sin is a little bit like having a debt. You see, if you break the law of this land, if you commit a crime, you have to go stand before a judge, and a judge will give you what they think is the correct punishment. When we sin, we break a law. But not the law of this land. We break God's law. And God insists that that punishment is given out for breaking that law. Guess what the punishment is? Death. The Bible says that the the wages of sin is death. And you say, well, you know, I haven't done really bad sins. That's not the point, my friends. Because we have broken one of God's laws, God considers us guilty of all of them. And God insists that sin be paid for. But his love for us is so great that instead of punishing us, he punished his only son, Jesus. And he took like a weight or a debt of our sin. He take, took it from us and he put it on his son, Jesus. And now when we come to God and acknowledge that we have sinned, not only is the root cause of our sin dealt with, but the debt or the punishment is taken away from us as well. Guess how much? Completely. Totally. Jesus said, it's finished. In the context of being forgiven for our sins, every single sin was paid for. How about that? If, if you like to shout hallelujah or amen or praise the Lord, that's a good place to do it because that is amazing news. Every single one of our sins was dealt with by Jesus and he shouted, it's finished, it's done. I've completely paid for every sin. You know, sometimes we do things wrong, we sin and, and the devil likes to make us feel guilty and make us believe that God hasn't forgiven us. You know, we've got to be careful who we listen to. And we need to listen to what God says in his word. And we need to remember, if we break God's law, if we sin, remember these three words, it is finished. In other words, Jesus says, I've paid for that sin that you've just committed. And if you come to God 
he forgives you. Completely and utterly, totally, 100% dealt with by Jesus Christ. Third thing that the Father gave to Jesus to do was this, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I want to pause there. I'm going to read you these verses from 1 John, or this verse. He says, The one who by their sinful nature commits sin is of the devil, controlled by the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed, was made known. He came to this earth for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Now, do you think Jesus completed that? A lot of people don't. A lot of people look at their own life and they they consider the fact that they still do things that are against God's will and they say it must be because the devil has still got power and not everything that he wants to do was destroyed by Jesus. But listen, my friends, Jesus said, it's finished. It's done. It's complete. What? Everything that the Father has given me to do is finished. And one of the things that the Father gave to Jesus to do was to completely destroy the works of the devil. You see, the devil would love to be one that could control every person's life. Especially those who love God. But he cannot. Because he is not the Lord of our life. Jesus is. The devil would like to come and destroy our lives and to steal from us. But he can't just do that. He doesn't have the power and he doesn't have the authority. Let me tell you three things, and and there's not a lot more that the devil can do. Three things. The first thing is he's a liar. The Bible says he's a liar. Now, is, is somebody who tells a lie a liar? No. A liar is somebody who cannot tell the truth. Instinctively, naturally, they just tell lies. And the Bible says that's, that's who the devil is. In fact, it says he's the father of all lies. And the devil likes to lie to us. And he loves to lie especially about God. He doesn't want us to know the truth about God. How do we know that? Let's go right back to the Garden of Eden. We see Adam and Eve created in God's image. And then we see that the devil comes into that garden in in what kind of shape? As a snake or a serpent. I I don't understand how, how people like snakes. I'm sorry if you do. Uh, just recently, I watched one of these um, natural geographic programs, or a little bit of it. It kind of scared me. Here was this guy going around the United States, finding the 10 most deadliest snakes. 
and, and he's got this little piece of wire. And, and, and he's, in one, on one occasion, he's kind of thigh deep in swamp looking for these snakes that, that swim. And I'm thinking, you are an absolute idiot. You really are. There is no way would I walk into that water if I know that there are poisonous snakes. And he finds one and he dives into the water and he's disappointed because he misses it. He nearly has a, you know, a, a depressive breakdown because he misses this snake. And I'm thinking, I would be really, really happy. Call me a coward, but I, I don't understand it. And, and he, finds, he finds this snake, which is apparently the most deadliest in the U.S., and he's almost beside himself with joy and ecstasy because he's holding this deadly, poisonous snake. He says, he says if I get bitten by this, I've got sec- minutes, minutes to get an antidote. And I'm thinking, put it down, man, for goodness sake. Put it down. I don't understand the fascination with snakes. And I had to think about the Garden of Eden. Here comes Satan in the form of a snake. And, you know, Eve should have, should have been a, I don't know what she was on. Excuse me, ladies, I'm not sexist. But a snake starting to talk to you, she should have realized something was not, not quite right here. Hey? I mean, Adam didn't teach her very well. You know, you're going to walk through the garden and you, don't, you never hear snakes talk at you, okay? Maybe they did then, I don't know. But the serpent, Satan in the form of a serpent, how does he lie to her? He says, God is not who he says he is. He doesn't tell you the truth. And my friends, the devil loves to lie. But listen, there's only power in a lie when you believe it. Yeah? And you don't have to believe it. And it doesn't matter how convincing the devil might be, you don't have to believe it because you can believe the truth. The second thing that the devil loves to do is to deceive or to trick. He likes to make things that are bad look good. And you all know what I'm talking about. When you get tempted... If something was really, really bad and you said, that's really, really bad, but I love to do it, you would sound silly, wouldn't you? But you get deceived and you get tricked into thinking, it's not that bad. It's just, you know, just one little thing. It's not that harmful. And the devil likes to deceive us into thinking that bad things are good. And sometimes even that good things are bad. And the third thing that the devil loves to do is to accuse us. You know, he tempts us, he lies to us, he tricks us, he tempts us, we give in, and then he he accuses us and says, well, you're not a Christian. God doesn't love you anymore. You're not close to God. God can't help you, and he accuses us. But we don't have to believe his words. And it's only when we believe them that they have power. So I say, let's know the truth. Well, the Bible says this. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's why we say to people all the time, read the Bible. Because it's God's word. And these are the things that Jesus came to destroy. Those works of the evil one. 
He said, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. And the way that Jesus destroys the works of the, of the devil is very simple. It's to reveal to us what the truth is. You know, sometimes we have pictures of Jesus fighting with the devil. I was going, when I was making the booklet the other day, I, I, I found one where there's, where there's the devil sitting down and opposite him, and the devil's got, you know, a red face and horns. I don't know where the idea came from. And he's got a, a tail. I'm not sure where that one came from either. Can't think. Anyway, and he's sitting down at a table, and opposite him is Jesus, and they're having an arm wrestle. And this is supposed to be the contest between good and evil. And I'm thinking, somebody hasn't got a very clear revelation here. Jesus, Jesus didn't enter into a fight with the devil, you know, an arm wrestle or, or a UFC. Have I got that right? Imagine Jesus getting involved in a UFC with the devil or a, or a boxing match. No. Or a street fight. No. All, all Jesus had to do was to simply reveal the truth, to let the, the eternal life of God flow through him and show us what the truth is. And when we know the truth, we believe it. And the, believing that truth sets us free from what? The works of the devil. If you, if you go out onto, this, onto the streets here and you start driving your car at 200 kilometers an hour, a little friendly man in a uniform in a blue and white car which has got red and, red and blue lights on will stop you eventually and say, hey, you can't drive that way. And you can say, well, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Nobody told me. True? Jesus comes so that we know what the truth is. I can see some wives nudging their husbands here. See, you do know. You can't get away with that one. Jesus came so that we could know the truth. And therefore, the works of the devil, lying, deceiving, and accusing, they have no power on us because we don't believe them. Jesus says, it's finished. His works have been destroyed. Fourth thing, Jesus come to make it possible for us to be right with God and close to him. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person or a new creation. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us Given this task of reconciling people to him, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. In Jesus, we come close to God. You see, a lot of people think that God doesn't like people. How many of you believe that God loves you? It's absolutely true. God loves us with a perfect love. He chooses. It's not just an emotion. 
He chooses to love us. And he wants us to be close to him. And he wants us to be right with him. And the only way that that was possible was through Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, that we could be made right with God because it is our sin, our sinful nature, that separates us from God. Jesus said, it's finished. There's no reason why we can't be close to God, one with him, right with him. No exceptions. Some people feel when they get things wrong, when they sin, that God doesn't want them close to him any longer. It's not true. God desires us to be one with him. Last thing, Jesus came that we could have abundant or the best life possible. The Bible says, for God loved the world this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life means it will last forever, but it means much more than that. It means perfect and whole and complete. That's the life that Jesus has given to us. Eternal life. He said on one occasion, I have come so that people may have life and that they may have it to abundance. Here at the Nations Church, we believe that God wants everyone to experience true freedom. Freedom from the power of sin. We believe that Jesus cried, it is finished, and he broke the power of sin over us. Completely. It's done. It's finished. We believe that everybody can experience freedom from the power of sin. We believe that everyone can experience the freedom of Jesus living his life through us. We believe that everybody can experience the strength or the power of the Holy Spirit of God living within us. We don't have to go and find the Holy Spirit. We don't have to say, Holy Spirit, would you fall down? Would you come and visit us? Would you come and be amongst us? No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says he lives, he dwells within us. His strength, his power is always there, enabling us to do what God gives us to do. How awful it would be to know what God wants you to do, and then you have to go and find the Holy Spirit to help you do it. My friends, that's why many times we end up doing it ourselves, because we don't believe that every second of every day, the Spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of us. In all his power, in all his strength, unlimited. And here at the nations, we believe that God wants every one of us to to discover that he has a purpose for our lives. So whether we are three years old here today or even younger, from the moment we are conceived, God, the Bible says, 
has written out the book of our life. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And, and God wants us to know what that is. Did you realize that? God doesn't expect us to walk around like blind people trying to work out what God wants us to do. He doesn't. He doesn't want us to guess, you know, okay, which way am I meant to go today? And we see everybody's going this way, so we go this way as well. No. You see, he's given us his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit tells us God's will for us. He reveals to us those things that God has prepared for us. I said to you earlier, how many of you would like to get to the end of your life and be able to breathe your last breath and then with your last breath say, it's finished. The apostle Paul did. He said, I've fought the good fight. I've done everything that the Father has given me to do. My friends, we can do that because it's the Spirit of God who shows us what God's will is, and it's the Spirit of God who empowers us and enables us to believe that Jesus will do it through us. We don't have to wonder or worry. People say to me sometimes, I'm so worried about the future. And I say, why? Are you you not a Christian? I'm not being disrespectful here. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. And people say, I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about my, my future, about my finances. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my family. I say, why? We don't need to worry. Let's just commit it to God. Let's trust in him. Let's ask him to reveal to us what his plan is for our life. And then simply trust and obey. Jesus got to the end of his life and he said, it's finished. He said, I've dealt with the root cause of sin completely. I've paid for the punishment of everyone's sin completely. I've revealed the truth concerning my father God and therefore destroyed the works of the evil one completely. I've made it possible for every single person to be right with God and to come close to him totally. And I've made it possible that we can know the purpose that God has for every single person. It's finished. It's done. It's complete. There's nothing that was not done. There's not one tiny little bit that Jesus didn't deal with. Everything is absolutely complete and finished. And we, as his children, get to live in the good and the benefit of everything that Jesus has done, if we will believe it. And the Holy Spirit enables us to believe what Jesus said. Amen.
Thank you.